Hi, Dr. Gator here. Are you ready to take your family's health to the next level? Check out my free immunity and wellness masterclass at integrativepediatrics.com. Remember how hard it was to open a CD? What's a CD? Very funny. <laughs> just impossible to get into plastic. Well, I just had that same maddening five-minute battle with a cucumber. Why are we wrapping cucumbers in plastic and individually shrink-wrapping potatoes? This is just one of the many things wrong with how we are treating our planet and how we look at food. So many Three, things. Yeah, so many things. <laughs> so three years ago, to the day, I planted the most beautiful organic herb and vegetable garden. Then I got pregnant and had massive food aversions to everything. The smell of the rosemary and just looking at tomatoes actually made me throw up and it all died. So anyway, now's the time. Started a new garden this week so my kid will know that cucumbers don't grow wrapped in CD plastic. (laughs) (laughs) Happy Earth Day, Raising Amazing Community. Mama. Welcome, parents, to Raising Amazing. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Gator-Warsh, board-certified pediatrician specializing in integrative medicine. And I'm Serena Vincent. I'm an actor, writer, and new mother. Join us in learning and laughing as we navigate through the messy path of parenthood. And together, let's begin Raising Raising Amazing. In celebration of Earth Day, today's topic is about reconnecting with the planet, which I feel it's just so important. We've, we are disconnected from the planet and we need to focus our attention back on becoming a part of nature because we are nature. We're not separate from nature. And for whatever reason, we've just forgotten that. I don't know why, Serena, like why have we decided that humans are this, you know, one thing and then the forest and the planet is everything else and bacteria and viruses and you know, all these things are the worst things in the world and we need to destroy all pathogens, even though we're made up of bacteria and viruses and, and all of those things. Yeah, I don't know. I, I remember that from science class. I remember learning that we are all, everything is made up of the same everything. Right. We all come from yeah. the same planet. We all come from the same material. And it doesn't mean I want, you know, to get sick or to have, a, you know, a child get a bad pneumonia or you know, there's some bacteria that we don't want, but most bacteria is good. And, you know, we, it's great that we have antibiotics for when we do get really sick, but we can't forget that these creatures, these things are part of us. They're part of humanity and we're, or they're part of nature and we're a part of nature. And, and so we need to reconnect with that. And so today we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about nature. We're going to talk about gardening and why it's so important, you know, mm-hmm. as long as you're not. Uh, I guess pregnant and throwing up with an aversion, <laughs> then, <laughs> <It's> you know, <laughs> then having a garden is a, is a good it's a good thing, and it's really important that we start teaching this to our kids. This has to be absolutely has to be back in the curriculum as kids start going back to school. Every single school needs to have a garden. Every single child needs to learn where food comes from and get back in the dirt and touch the soil and be exposed to the. Uh, bacteria and and the soil and everything that's good in there and they need to learn so they don't think that cucumbers come wrapped in plastic because they don't come wrapped in plastic (laughs) they don't need to ever have plastic on them um, but they get shipped across the world who's making that decision by the way i mean i I don't believe it's farmers that like have a shrink wrap machine right who is Um, doing that the companies i think it's you know that a lot of stuff is mass produced so it gets you know taken from the farm and then when they're shipping it they probably package it they you know they they, it's it's safer because it doesn't touch things if you put it in 
the, the, the shrink wrap, then they can put it in a plane or on a train or a boat plastic. or whatever. In the endocrine disrupting plastic, ship it across the world, and then we eat it. Um, and so, you know, I guess they're, they have their reasons, but those, those come at a, at a cost. So today, we are going to hear from brilliant filmmaker and environmental scientist Rob Herring and my personal favorite environmental expert, my sister, Angela not, Vincent. You're not biased at all, though. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just jump right in so we can all learn why we need to reconnect with the planet. We are so excited about our guests today on Raising Amazing. We have two environmental experts. Rob Herring is with us. He is a musical activist and documentary filmmaker. He directed the award-winning film, The Need to Grow. Oh my gosh, it was so beautiful. Narrated by Rosario Dawson and seen in 175 countries. He's also the co-founder of EarthConsciousLife.org, which focuses on raising awareness of accessible solutions for both planetary and human health. Welcome, Rob. Thank you for being with us. Such an honor to be here to talk about a really important topic. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And we also have joining us my sister, Angela Vincent, who is an artist and environmental expert and has combined her musical talents and knowledge to educate children about the environment. She has a book and album called Save Queen Green, Mother Nature's Equal Rhymes that teaches kids through rhyme and song what they can do to protect the planet. She also has a master's degree in urban sustainability, and she was named one of the 30 under 30 awardees, sissy, from the North American Association of Environmental Education. So yay, sis, thank you for being here. Thank you. Super excited to join the conversation. Thank you for, guys for so much for being here. And I want to start by chatting about our connection with nature, or really, I should say, more of our disconnection with nature and we seem to be having more and more of a mental health crisis and we know that something that is so vital to our health is our connection to nature but we live in cities there's not a lot of green space especially with the pandemic we're being told to stay inside we're not getting the vitamin d that we need rob do you think that that our our disconnection from nature are really staying inside and our focus on on our concerns about all the stuff that's going on, is that really having an effect on our mental health? Yeah, most certainly. I mean, I think even before we went into this period of human existence where we were, you know, even more concerned about going out and interacting with people or stepping outside, we were already suffering from being indoors too much, right? I think, uh, you know, over 90% of our time of our day for the average American is spent indoors, according to the EPA. So we think about the fact that, you know, most of us are not getting exposed to sunlight early in the morning. Most of us are not breathing fresh air. Uh, most of us aren't getting the exercise outdoor, the connection physically to plants, the interconnection with, you know, wildlife and the sounds, the smells, the feels, and all those beautiful things that we get when we step outside, right? So we were already kind of challenged with um, our disconnect over many generations, it seems. And so now, you know, in this last year in particular, we've kind of put that even on hyperdrive. And so for many people, you know, we've seen skyrocketing depression rates, unfortunately, in this last year as a, as a side effect. And 
we're also, you know, losing our connection to exercise in a lot of ways. And so we know that, you know, there's, there's real science now that's coming out that really validates a lot of these things that we once thought were, you know, maybe a little hippy dippy feeling of, of, you know, this concept of, you know, being a tree hugger or um, these ideas that maybe we once thought were woo woo, but now we're, we're really getting into the science on, you know, what it means to get our hands in the soil, what it means to actually touch plants, what it means to breathe in some of these compounds that are coming from trees or spending time in a forest or in an ocean. Yeah, and, 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 and medically speaking, I mean, we're learning more and more. That's that's so important to our microbiome. We are a part of nature. And, you know, I don't know when this happened, but we've slowly, you know, through our lives, seen this degradation of our connection with nature and we're almost opposed to it, right? It's like, we need to kill 99% of bacteria. We gotta stay away from other people. We have to uh, worry about every bacteria, every virus, every, bac you know, it's bad. And we forget that we're made of bacteria, we're made of viruses, we're made of all of these things. And, and it, it's so saddening to me, so frightening to me as a pediatrician, as a doctor, as a father, that, you know, you have to tell your, your 15 month old, you know, oh, just be careful when you're around people. Be careful, you know, don't play on that because it, it could have germs. That's, you know, you're supposed to touch germs, right? Yeah, I mean, and you know this better than any of us, that the science behind children being exposed to uh, diverse germs at a young age. I mean, obviously we're not trying to intentionally expose people to things that we know could cause serious harm, but that idea of, of having a diverse exposure rate is actually what can build our immune system. And so we have to think about those consequences when we're avoiding, when we're sterilizing nature. Um, Serena mentioned this film that, that we made called The Need to Grow that had to do really with our soil degradation on our planet. And so we get into some of the science in that film about the microbes, this micro universe of, of organisms that live underneath our soil. And in the same way that we've unfortunately depleted this life in the soil. It's really a beautiful analogy for just the way that this, you know, microscopic universe regulates planetary health and human health as well. And so as we've depleted our soil systems, we see a lack of water holding capacity in our, in our farms. We see a lack of carbon holding capacity in our soils. We see a lack of nutrient density in the foods that come out of these systems. And so almost all of these boxes get checked the more that we build soil back and we build that life back into the soil. And so many people now are, are really understanding the true impacts of what's been known as climate change. And we think of how much we've polluted our systems and at the same time depleted biodiversity. And I think we really need to start looking at that as a metaphor for human beings and how much we're actually polluting ourselves and our own genetics intergenerationally and then the lack of diversity, right? So we have soil within our bodies that we call the microbiome. And it's a perfect metaphor for what's happening to the soil around our planet. And as we build one, we can actually build the other. And so there's so many beautiful connections into building soil health and then what happens in the nutrient density and the availability of health that then is transferred to people, not just in avoiding chemicals and toxins that deplete our microbiome, but actually building back um, all of these resources. And we think of our natural resources, but we need to start thinking about our, ourselves as people that have natural resources, right? Your natural resources are your mineral levels, are your omega-3 levels, right? Are your, your phytochemicals, your, your vitamins, and where are you getting those? And how have they been depleted? And what pollution are we doing to ourselves? So I think when we start to really see ourselves as nature, 
And again, that's, you know, that's not really a metaphor either. I mean, unless you believe we came from another planet, I mean, we genuinely are part of the earth. We came from the very same compounds, right? So we need to break this definition that we're, that we're under, that it's like nature's out there, but really we need to start seeing ourselves as nature and our gut and, and our whole body as a beautiful ecosystem. Serena, are you part of nature? Are you part of nature? Like what, where are you guys at? With your family? Where, well, what, I was just... I was just going to say, Angela, she actually took that whole idea of seeing yourself as nature and ran with it for children. Says, I love that sort of the impetus for your bringing nature into um, the lives of children is uh, kids have to fall in love with nature before we ask them to protect it. You took that quote and you, you ran with it and tell us how to, how do we get kids back in nature? How we do, do we get kids excited about nature again? So we can ask them, we can save this planet. Thank you, sis. And yes, I, I love that quote. It's a, a paraphrase from an educator and academic, David Sobel, who um, established this idea of a place-based education. And it's, it's really about instead of educating our kids about, you know, the polar bears and the Arctic to try to make the connection to nature and climate change, it's looking in our backyard and the plants, the animals are around us and getting engaged in our local community and, and exploring nature that way and creating that connection. And so, you know, that, that's easy to do for a lot of us if we have um, areas, you know, parks and nature preserves around us, but, but sometimes that's not the case. Um, I remember in my early days of educating kids in, in school about the environment, I was in downtown LA and I was talking about, you know, ways to conserve water and, you know, what can you do to, you know, with your dog's old water bowl? Oh, how about you water a tree with it? And one of the kids said, well, I don't have any trees around my house. I don't have any trees in my community. And that was like shocking to me, you know, check the way that, you know, I, I need to ensure that that I'm, you know, recognizing the realities that some of our, 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 our children live in where there's not access to parks. A lot of communities are what's called park poor or um, communities that live next to pollution sources where, you know, the, the, the nearby park is next to a freeway. Um, and that leads, leads to, you know, adverse health impacts and mental health impacts as well. But really, the impetus for you know, the project that, that you mentioned, Sis, with, with Clean Green is that you know, we didn't grow up with environmental values. I had no understanding of my connection to nature and how I as a human or we as humans impact the planet positively or negatively until I got to college and I learned about climate change. And so my ultimate goal was, you know, how do we instill these values into our, our youngest learners? And that was the impetus for, for Queen Green and, and utilizing music and song to instill these environmental values to kids so they grow up um, understanding the connection to our planet. I have to jump in here. Um, speaking of learning through song. So we grew up, it was very the theatrical, our elementary school, and we learned a lot of science-based things through music. So Angela took that and ran with it. Right. And you know, it's, it's the reason why we learn our ABCs through a song and the reason we can remember lyrics uh, to a song that we hear once. And, and, you know, there's a lot of research on, on how music is an effective uh, teaching strategy and how, you know, our, our brains are able to soak up information this way and it's, it's memorable, et cetera. And it, it's a fun way to, to engage kids, you know, going back to the quote. 
um, you know, before we ask kids to protect it, they need to fall in love with nature. And, and one of the, I think, positive outcomes of, of this pandemic is that a lot of people have been going outside more and exploring their neighborhoods. You know, they have more time to take a walk at lunch if they're working from home. And, you know, spending time outside has, has been um, a, a good COVID safe activity that has physical uh, benefits and mental health benefits as well. There's, there's, there's been a lot of research on kids and getting them out in nature, this idea of, of screen time versus green time, right? You know, there's kind of this paradox going on where as parents, we're trying to get our kids off screens, but now with this transition to remote learning, and online classrooms, it's like, you know, we have to get them in front of the right screen all day. Um, but there's this, a lot of research with association between getting kids out in nature and positive health outcomes. And, you know, the good news is, is this, this can be offset because the reality is our kids are going to be on screens, no matter what, it's part of all our culture, but we can offset that with ensuring that there's time outdoors as well. Yeah. And, and you, you hit it right, the nail on the, on the head there. And it's so important to get kids into nature and that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go walking through a forest I mean it can but there are little things that you can do and we you know when I'm talking more about gardening right I, I think that to me that's such an important life skill that has just gone by the wayside you know we don't talk about it anymore it's not really in schools anymore parents don't teach their kids they go to the grocery store they bring home food kids have no idea where food comes from but we know what's one of the most common things that elderly you know, families or elderly people will do to become, they'll go in the garden and they'll plant things and they'll work on the flowers. It's so calming for people, but, you know, for some reason we just forgot about that with kids and, and it, it needs to be brought back into society. We need to learn where our food comes from. Kids need to learn where their food come from and we have to teach them from day one. And not only is it fun, but if they are a part of it, then, then they will appreciate the food more. They're way more likely to eat a vegetable than, than if you just you know, throw it on their plate, if they actually helped it grow. And, and so Rob, I wanna throw this over to you. you know, what, what are some strategies that we can get kids involved in, in gardening? What are there simple tips? I mean, I know we've talked about this before. We've done a lot of, of work together, kind of you know, bringing together nature and, and medicine and some of our other projects. And, and we've talked about this before, but maybe you can give parents, just some simple tips on, on getting themselves started with gardening, getting their family involved in gardening, and, and you know, some of the, the companies that you work with, the products that you've worked with that are really simple to use, because it is, or it can be really simple, and you just don't think about it until you do it. Yeah, many kids, it seems like, are, are pretty shocked when they when they have that first experience about growing food, and many adults, you know, honestly, um, when they grow their own food, there's, there is a different experience, not just do they have, you know, personal connection and, and pride and ownership that they're going to you know, for kids, especially try a food maybe that they wouldn't have tried previously. Um, mm -hmm. But but the freshness is a, is a major difference. And so there are benefits there that we can talk about. But even just on the mental health side, uh, this concept of blue zones, which people may be familiar with, with the areas around the world where they have the highest rate of folks that live over 100. And there, you know, people have, have done some research, you know, why are there these pockets of communities that live over 100? And there are many factors 
one of them happens to be that they garden a lot. You know, they spend a lot more time outside. And so we know a lot of the very real psychological benefits of being in the garden. You know, being exposed to soil is effectively like uh, a positive probiotic in a sense. You know, you're not taking the capsule that you're swallowing, but you are being exposed to these beneficial bacteria. You're getting reintroduced to, to nature. And we think about our, our you know, lineage of how we should have experienced food throughout history, we wouldn't have flash pasteurized and blasted all these organisms off of the, the carrot, you know, or the onion when they came out of the ground, they would have, they would have contained some of these compounds. And so they're not necessarily evil, we have to be careful, right, with how things are grown. But uh, they're very positive benefits to certain bacteria. One, for instance, that has gotten some research was called, uh, maybe, messing up the pronunciation, it's a mycobacterium vasae um, that is really connected to the serotonin production in human beings. And so actually being exposed to it through soil, breathing it in, getting it under your fingernails, et cetera, uh, quite literally connects to our serotonin production in our body, which is you know one of what we call our happy hormones or our feel-good hormones. And so getting kids involved in that is one of the, the very direct ways, right? Get actually touching soil and that could be compost as well. So for families, I think, you know, if there's a school garden program where you can advocate for a school garden program at the school, when things start to pick back up and open up, that's a huge way um, to get children really activated and spending time every day, hopefully in, in the soil. And we talk about that a little bit more in our film uh, at a home level. I would say that there are some products called um, the garden tower, which is a, a really cool system that I own, which is, you can put it on wheels and go on a rooftop. It can go on grass, it could go on a patio, a balcony, you name it. And it is a soil-based system that grows vertical. I think it holds maybe 40 to 50 plants. And one of the beautiful things is inside is actually composting. So that's one great product. There's There are many products now that you can buy for indoor. Um, so just having something like a click and grow is a great company that, that creates a way for you to grow your herbs really yeah, fresh. Yeah, from you, Rob. We have it in our office. because. Oh yeah. That's right. Oh, that, like, this thing's so cool. <laughs> I, I've purchased those for my mom, my sister, everybody for Christmas got one. Um, and Hi. so, you know, I think that with, with gardening or starting, you know, uh, to plant a seed is really, you know, start as small as you possibly need to. That could be re also regrowing food scraps. Um, there are lettuces and celeries and other food products that many people don't know you can actually regrow at home. So I think just giving kids that experience literally even on a windowsill and then having that access there is, you know, for one thing, those foods are going to be significantly higher antioxidant value. And so we talk a lot about organic and avoiding pesticides and chemicals, but we need to remember that even the organic food in the produce section is, you know, how fresh is it? Like how long ago was it picked? Was it picked before ripeness? And how far did it travel? The average bite of food travels 1,500 miles. So what is lost along that process? Because um, the moment that it's picked, it starts to lose some freshness. So if you can grow something at home, you're getting more antioxidant value. It is a learning curve, you know, but anybody can get a green thumb. Literally a seed in a cup with a little bit of dirt and just get started. You're going to introduce kids to the magic of, of life you know, and that cycle of nature. I was going to build off of something, Rob, that, that you said earlier about school gardens. Is this, there's a real opportunity here with, as we recover from this pandemic, to, to utilize outdoor education and, you know, 
and build more school gardens. Rob, you know, you talked about the benefits. It's, you know, it engages our kids, it teaches them science, and it, there's healthy, fresh, local produce for the community. So there's a really great opportunity here, again, you know, as we recover from the pandemic to, to utilize the outdoor spaces we have at schools and, and grow food. And it gets them outside, going back to this, like our kids need to be outside. And now that I am a mother, I see how important it is. I read something that apparently the sun, you pro- Rob, you could probably explain this better, but the sunlight actually goes into your eyeballs and then like hits the back of your brain and it stimulates all of the feel good feelings. And I've never thought of it that way, but like, I'm constantly like, I need to get sun into my child's eyes. Exactly. <clears throat> this is applicable, you know, for adults as well as kids. Uh, of course, we're getting the vitamin D on our skin, which is superbly important. And we know it's really connected to our immune system, but uh, the light itself is really powerful and helps tell your body and your hormones, you know, what time of day it is. We're actually doing a, an upcoming film talking a little bit more about the science of how light enters plants and why that is so critical for us to eat fresh foods and how the antioxidant potential is is really dependent upon truly the, the relationship of plants being a delivery system of solar energy to our health. And, and if you think about it, we're we're kind of fancy plants, right? I mean, plants need what do they need? sunlight and water. We're like, you know, very advanced plants, but we're all on the same planet. We all evolve from the same, you know, stuff. And, and you know, everybody's vitamin D deficient. It's insane. Like I don't, insurance doesn't even pay anymore for vitamin D testing because they're like, don't even do it. It's like, you're, you know, you're going to be <laughs> low that we're not going to pay for it for every person. Just give them vitamin D. Like that's insane. And we don't, but we're at that point. So the reality is this is so intimately connected, just like you, you said, and it's just so important to keep in mind what, what are we built of and what do we need to be healthy and survive? Because we're just, we're not healthy. And all of these things are connected. We think of the brain as something separate. Oh, you have a mental health problem. Oh, you have a mental health, you have depression, but it's all connected. It's connected to nature. It's connected to your gut. We know the gut brain access, you know, Rob's working on a whole film on gut brain access and on mental health. And these things are connected. And if you're not getting sunlight, then your immune system isn't functioning well. You're going to be depressed. You're going to be sick and you're going to be unhappy. You're not going to be, you're not going to be able to function properly. It's no surprise that our kids, our teens and ourselves are miserable. How are you supposed to be happy if you are stuck inside all day and you're not around people and you're not around sunlight? It, it doesn't work. So we need to find a balance. And, and now as, you know, hopefully things start to improve, we need to find that balance, you know, you know, very much more so than we have been before. And we have to focus on it. We have a great question from a mom that for you guys, because you're both activists, and this comes from Jamie S. What are some of the things you guys have seen from an activist perspective in, in terms of, you know, what can we do or what can cities do to start bringing green space back? Where should we go as a society in the future to make, make it easier for everybody to get outside and get into nature that we need without having to travel three hours to go to a mountain? You yeah. Wanna- yeah, yeah, I can jump in there. This the disconnection, right, it's, it's different for everybody, no matter, uh, depending on where they live, right? And that is a really important point to bring up is, is that a- having access to a Central Park or a Griffith Park in Los Angeles uh, is not something that, that everybody has. It may be a drive away, it may be unrealistic with jobs and, and, and other obstacles that get in the way. So we need to start prioritizing um, on a city planning level where trees are going 
And living in Los Angeles, I was looking into this quite a bit because we were seeing how easily uh, decisions were being made to remove some of our old growth trees. And from a city planning level, we need to start thinking about where we're prioritizing our, our resources and how many trees we can put, particularly in underserved and lower income communities. Uh, it's disproportionate uh, the, the, the number of trees that, you know, we can, we can literally see the more affluent communities have uh, significantly more green space, more trees, and there are so many compound impacts there about creating heat islands and, and protecting apartment buildings and, you know, then the increased air conditioning bills uh, and very real impacts on human health when there are severe heat waves, as we're seeing more and more these days. So, of course, we need to advocate for, for more trees. We need to advocate for protecting trees. There's some really good programs. The city of Pasadena has a great tree program, as does uh, the city of Seattle, which I think are really great opportunities for other cities to look to and how can we you know not find any excuse to chop down old growth trees but actually plant more trees um, and then we look to this Japanese tradition and I hope I'm pronouncing this right the Shinru Yoku which is the, the idea of forest bathing and very real science of, of getting time in nature and when you're in a forest you know it's like kind of the most immersed you could possibly get but it doesn't mean that being outside in your backyard around green space um, is not providing any of those benefits so there's now research going into the uh, phytoncides i believe they're called that come it's kind of the aromatherapy of plants that literally comes out that we breathe and research that's going into looking to at its anti-cancer properties and some oh, of these wow. impacts last you know uh for like a week after people are do a forest bathing session and so what you know, it's not a black and white thing, you know, just spending time in a small plot of soil in your backyard or spending time literally stop and smell the roses, you know, um, touching a tree. There's, there's very real science coming out about the, the impacts of grounding. A lot of things that were once considered very woo woo, hippy dippy stuff are now being shown that, Hey, you know, connecting to nature and looking at that blueprint is really important. So again, you know, to bring that into our, into our cities, it's, getting a getting some indoor plants green green your space up as much as you can and um, hopefully try to plant something get some school gardens and and compost i was just going to add add to that there's also been been research in between the connection between green space and community health and basically it shows that you know access to green space can lead to less violence and less crime in communities both because of you know, the social aspects that parks and green spaces provide and you know, the individual aspects in terms of stress reduction and, and mental health outcomes. And so there's multiple benefits, you know, social and, and environmental to bringing more green spaces into our city. Rob mentioned grounding. I want to tell a little, little funny story about grounding you, you'll probably like. So I was doing an interview uh, a couple of weeks ago with WikiHow and the first, they were supposed to ask you questions about, you know, pediatrics or whatever you're, you're an expert in. And so the, they, the first question they asked me was about grounding. So I went into like a one minute discussion about, you know, getting back in nature and, and getting your feet on the ground. And the guy's like, no, no, I meant like the electrical kind of grounding. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm like the right person to be asking that question to. I'm a doctor. He's like, oh, sorry, that was the wrong person's questions. I'm talking to an electrician next. And, and I was like, oh my God, I'm 
that, that that's it. I, I'm done. I'm, it's over. That's great. <laughs> so here at Raising Amazing, we want to leave everyone feeling amazing. So Rob, what was the most amazing part of directing your documentary, A Need to Grow? Yeah, the most amazing part was connecting with all the phenomenal solution innovators and leaders that we were able to discover around the country. Um, so I directed this film with, with my good friend, Ryan Weirich. And when we first started the project, the idea was how do we tell a story about solutions? Because so many films had been about the doom and gloom of our environmental situation. And we were looking at our food system to see how do we feed people in cities and, and what are the great technologies that will get people excited about the future and the potential moving forward. And so we cast a really wide net when we started that project. And there were so many stories that didn't end up didn't end up making it into the final cut because of the way that we structured a few of our heroes being the main characters but there were dozens of others that we connected with and when we first set out on the mission we went to as many major cities in the u.s as we could and it seemed that everywhere we went there was always more to find of of positive stories everywhere we would go and interview someone they would say hey have you met with so-and-so? Have you seen their project? Have you heard about this organization? You got to connect with this person. They're doing amazing things. And it was just such an overwhelming uh, wake-up call to me that there are so many people out there really passionately working on creating the type of regenerative healing future that we all want. Really at its core, through all of our differences, we all want people to be able to live a happy and healthy life. We want our next generations to grow up in places where they can breathe clean air and you know experience the sunshine on their face and, and drink clean water and eat healthy, nutrient-dense food. And so as we saw that, you know, we kind of became almost like the fungal networks of the soil, we like to think of ourselves, because we were able to help connect people around different parts of the country, you know, even as we were filmmakers, and just telling their story was, hey, well, you know, we won't be able to probably feature this, but you got to meet this person over here. And we were able to see these connections of people then being able to communicate and share ideas, I think is even more important as time is going to go on, because if we want a future that looks bright, we have to talk about the solutions. We, we can't only talk about the problems. You know, those inspiring people that are already out there doing it so that folks know that it's not a pipe dream, but that it's really within our reach and that it's already happening. Yeah. Well, we you are one of those people too. You are one of those amazing people on our ground um, out there out there doing it and everyone really needs to see a need to grow. It's absolutely beautiful. Tell people where they can find you and find your documentary. Sure. Yeah. You can find it at theneedtogrow.com or you can find us on social media at the need to grow Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, et cetera. And then we also recently started a, our new platform called earthconsciouslife.org. So you'll be able to find that film as well as some of our other future films. We're going to be making a film about the gut brain axis and we're making a film actually about the, the power of, of plants to help deliver the benefits of light. Um, so there's a few really exciting projects coming out soon and hope to share those with, with you and your audience. Yes, fun. All right, Angela, Sissy, um, what has been the most amazing part of creating Queen Green? 
Well, it's really been a, a family affair, as you know. And this idea first started when I was in college, this concept of, of creating eco-rhymes, which are traditional nursery rhymes, but with new lyrics about the environment. My mom, she used to write songs when she was um, my age. Our mom. <laughs> our mom. We created mom a, a, a children's book and an album of the eco rhymes. And, you know, Sis was right there along the way, guiding us through the, the whole process. And our stepsister did the illustrations for the, for the book. And it was a labor of love. And it was just great to be able to have this, you know, passion of mine be realized with, with my family members. And we all learned together and didn't kill each other in the process, which is amazing. Um, <laughs> so that, that um, I, I would say that's been a highlight. And just in general, I, I mentioned this before, you know, just my, my passion was to, to educate kids and inspire others to do what they can to address climate change in their own way and so this book and an album uh, is you know a part of my passion and it's been great to to you know see it on the kids faces as, as they walk away singing the songs or when I hear from parents they reach out and say you know my kid always yelled at me for leaving the line on now because of you or just little things like that anecdotes of of you know how it's impacted kids and we're 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 looking forward to utilizing this concept of queen green and and creating a, a, a kid's show about Queen Green's magical garden and having, you know, teaching kids the magic of nature and um, on their screens and encouraging them to get outside uh, for that green time as well. Where yeah. can people find you, Andrea? Um, yeah, so web, my website is savequeengreen.org on social media. You can find me, Save Queen Green. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for being a part of this. Rob and Angela was such a great chat and, and and I think that we learned a lot about nature and, and hopefully people will and parents will get their kids outside a little bit more and really think about putting uh, nature into your day. Think about it. Get yourself outside. Get your kids outside. Go for a walk. Think about gardening. Do one little thing. It will make a difference and mental health. There is such a big struggle with mental health right now and this is something very simple that you can do uh, for free you know, for the most part, you can get outside and you can you can get some sunlight and that's going to be the fastest change and benefit that you really could have. So we really appreciate you guys chatting about this and, and uh, sharing your wisdom. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. That was awesome. Huge thank you to Rob Herring and Angela Vincent. I learned so much from that interview and it, it really inspired me. I, I actually think about in my own life for my personal brain green time versus screen time and like i said we are currently starting our garden yesterday nico and i planted carrots and basil and sunflower seeds and we're gonna finish finish it up this week i'm teaching him how to cook so now i want to be able to send him outside and have him bring me back a handful of parsley so i can make a sauce that is what we need to be doing and i'm doing the same thing i just moved and so I, one of the big projects that I'm working on now, uh, I'm starting to teach Eli is just, just gardening. I mean, we're, I'm putting in some terracing. We've got some, you know, tomato, you know, all these things. So it's, it's going to be a lot of fun, but it's just, it's so important. Like, we cannot stress this enough. I will say we are privileged living in Los Angeles. We are. I travel all over this country and you cannot get, there are places where you actually cannot get an organic salad. 
You can't. It's you can't. But that's not to me. It's not about privilege. This is about changing it for everybody. Privilege, not privilege. Inner cities, you know, outer communities. True. Wherever, it shouldn't be wherever. privilege. It, it shouldn't, shouldn't be privilege. You, there, exactly. you should not. You should be able to get food wherever you are from every community. Every community should have their own gardens. And if you don't have access to it, we should be working to create that. It has to be something that we take into account and prioritize. Because at the end of the day, once you put in the initial investment, it just takes work. But it's it's also meditative. It's work, but it's yeah. meditative. You're outside, potentially, maybe. Um, and you're getting the serotonin boost from the sun, right? Mm -hmm. There are all sorts of other benefits. Right. I, I just think it's a really important to me you know, as we're talking about this to say, because I, I think you brought up a really good point about, you know, talking about privilege. And I think that is, you know, it's a super important point, but we can't get sidetracked by, oh, well, I'm in an inner city, so therefore I don't have access. That's the problem. The problem is that you don't have access and we should, everybody should have access to this. And if you, there isn't access, we need to create it. And it's possible. It's possible. That's why we're doing this, everyone, so <laughs> we can raise the bar on ourselves so we can keep raising amazing children okay everyone do it parents in honor of our planet and of earth day plant one thing this week take a video post it tag us we'll repost it let's all do this together happy earth day Thank you all so much for joining us each week. Please be sure to subscribe to the Raising Amazing podcast so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. You can also follow us on Instagram at Raising Amazing Podcast to catch any extra fun goodies for you and your kiddos. And if you'd like to submit a question to be featured on the show, you can send in your questions to RaisingAmazingPodcast at gmail.com along with your name and your city. That's it for us for now. We'll catch you next Wednesday on raising amazing. Happy parenting. May the force be with you.